Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back everybody to the Almost Sideways podcast. Uh, we are calling this an Almost Sideways update. Or, I mean, episode 98 and a half, if you want. 98 and a half, it's not that bad. She's not that bad. <laughs> Anyways, I'm your host, uh, Terry Plucknett. Joining me is Todd Plucknett today. Uh, we are without Zach Saltz. Uh, he had a death in the family and couldn't record this weekend. Uh, so thoughts and prayers go out to him. Uh, and, you know, we're close enough to, to episode 100. And Todd, I'm, I'm sure you've done this too. When, when you have those, those milestones in your movie watching, you kind of like manipul manipulate the system a little bit to say, no, I, this one has got to be, you know, the right one. To, to actually be the milestone. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with this. It's like, we, you know, we had this all set up. We, we knew what we were going to do for episode 99 and we had it figured out for episode 100 and missing one would kind of throw everything off, but we wanted to record something. So, I mean, if this was like episode 54, we would totally be recording episode 54 right now. But the fact that it's episode 99 right before 100, I mean, do you feel that's, that's fair to say? Yeah, no, we're not done. This is number fifty. Like we have to. Exactly. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We could. We couldn't screw this up at this point. You know, like it, it just wouldn't feel right. You know, episode one hundred is episode one hundred. It's kind of a. It's kind of a big deal. It is. It is. And I feel like we got. We got a great episode ninety nine plan too. It just. We we just need to have the whole gang together for it. So. Uh, so so we're putting that off for a week. And in the meantime, we're just going to record, this will be kind of, I mean, it's okay to call it episode 98 and a half, it's going to kind of be like a half episode, we're going to, uh, we're not going to half-ass it, but we're going to, uh, <laughs> we're well, going to, you know. to, well, you know, no more than usual, right? Um, <laughs> but we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about some movies, what we've been watching, um, what's been going on. Uh, we'll do a little uh, discussion on uh, some Oscar stuff that's uh, that's going on and give a little preview of uh, Todd's upcoming predictions that are going to be coming out fairly soon. Uh, but first, Todd, what are you drinking? I am drinking a cocktail that features limeade, tequila, and strawberry moonshine. And, ooh, it is sweet. Tequila and moonshine in there? Mm. Oh, my word. That must be strong and sweet. Oh, is yeah, that, is it's that super just smooth. Like, like, if you get the Newman's Own uh, Limeade, it, it'll take away the alcohol burn of any alcohol. It, it's it's the best Limeade there is. Is that to just kind of burn away the pain of not having a Nebraska game today? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this would be smack dab at, like, halftime of the game that should be happening right now. But, you know, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're recording on uh, October 31st, 2020. It is about 2.20 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so, uh, happy Halloween, everybody, and uh, and go Big Red, even though there's there's no Big Red playing right now. So, uh, since it is Halloween, uh, we have a, a special appearance by the one and only Irish Death. Yes. For Halloween. Um, so uh, Speaking of yeah. Ireland. Well... Well, that's Scottish. I mean, it would it would be appropriate because oh, we. Can, I mean, yeah. sure. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
the biggest news of the day is uh, we woke up this morning to find out that um, the beloved Sir Sean Connery passed away today at the age of 90. Um, so uh, we had to mention it just for a little bit here. Todd, do you have any anything you want to say in regards to that? Uh, well, I've always loved Sean Connery. I mean, you, you could see the affection we all have for him when we did our deep dive of The Rock. And uh, I think he's the best James Bond. I don't know that there ever is going to be another Bond that could compare to him. And I'm looking at, uh, at some things about him right now. It says he was... He was voted the greatest living Scot. He was voted Scotland's greatest living national treasure, sexiest man alive 1989, and the sexiest man of the century in 1999. He is the epitome of cool, and it is a shame that his last movie that he has listed is some, like, bad British animated movie he made in, like, 2003. Or, or I don't know, it was, like, 2012. But he, his last live-action movie was another bad movie. It's it's sad that he has to go out on that on that note. And I mean, he was 90 years old, and what's scary is like that's the same age as Gene Hackman, the same age as you know Clint Eastwood, and Eastwood's still working. Uh, but Connery's been out of the out of the limelight for quite a while, uh, and I, I guess he had been sick for quite some time. But yeah, uh, it it is really sad because I, I mean I love Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, I I do too. Uh, I think growing up, my first experience with him was probably. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think that was the first thing I actually saw him in. And uh, and so I got to know old Sean Connery and then went back and discovered young Sean Connery in, in the James Bond movies. Um, My first memory might actually be like Finding Forrester. Because like that... that wow. <laughs> that came out. And I remember we watched it like soon after it came out. But I would have been like 12. That, I wouldn't have watched any Bond by that point, I don't think. Yeah, I was. I remember I was watching Indiana Jones when I was like five or six. So uh, that that was definitely my first experience with him. Um, I I gotta give him props though. I mean, he was still a huge a huge movie star and and um, a bankable guy at the box office. And at the age of seventy three, I mean, it's not ancient, but it, it's getting up there. He just walked away and said, "I'm done. I'm I'm gonna just." retire and uh go off right off in the sunset and for the last 17 years we haven't seen him on screen at all and there's a rare public appearance every five years or so and uh so he's kind of been out of the out of the consciousness a little bit um of the public eye but it, it it's still a huge loss i mean remembering just how much he he did and how uh how amazing he was in some of those some of those older movies i will say though all right todd is it weird to say Oscar winner Sean Connery? I, I, I always thought he was like, he was, you know, this important guy that was this huge movie star. He never struck me as an Oscar caliber actor, though. Yeah, well, I mean, he worked with a lot of great directors, but like, yeah, I mean, The Untouchables was sort of like a perfect storm kind of thing, because it wasn't... He, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily that great in the movie, but he was, like, the legendary actor in this big movie, and uh, he wins his Oscar for it. But, yeah, I mean, I I, th I think he didn't really have any other real significant nominations, not even, like, Golden Globe nominations, other than, I think, Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade, I think he got some love for. But, yeah, I mean, he ne he was never one that was ever singled out for his actual acting. It was He was a movie star, not, not necessarily an acclaimed actor. Yeah, I'm looking here. So he won uh, for The Untouchables. It was his only Oscar nomination. Uh, Golden Globes, he got... Yeah, he got a Supporting Actor nomination for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 
Um, and he won the Cecil B. DeMille Award in 96. Um, and then it says he had, he was nominated for the Henrietta World Film Favorite Award in 1966, 1969, and won it in 1972 with Charles Bronson. I have no idea what that means. That's not even a thing anymore, is it? Uh, I don't think so. I've never heard of it. <laughs> the world, the male world film favorite, like, like favorite actor of the year. That was an award at the Golden Globes, apparently. They had weird, got bath- they had like a debut actor or whatever back then too, because that's how uh, Schwarzenegger has a Golden Globe win. <laughs> okay. He, he has a, a BAFTA nomination for the Hunt for Red October. Anyways, sad day to be uh, to be without uh, without the the original James Bond, and uh, I, I know he he's a favorite of of us in many different ways. We geeked out over him quite a bit when we did a deep dive of The Rock. So uh, um, yeah, rest in peace, Sean Connery. Uh, you will be missed. All right. Well, uh, before we get into our featured review, Todd, what uh, what did you watch this week? Okay, so my Nicolas Cage movie, uh, it features three other Oscar winners, uh, an Oscar nominee, and directed by an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Can you guess what it is? Okay, go through that one more time. Three other Oscar winners, an Oscar nominee, and directed by an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Recent? Is it recent? Uh, within the last 20 years. Yeah, it's got Regina King, Julia Roberts, Meryl Streep, Paul Giamatti. It is The Ant Bully from oh, 2006, <laughs> directed by John A. Davis, the director of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, where he got nominated for Best Animated Feature. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. So uh, it was... Leave it to it. You, you didn't animate it. Throws everything off, <laughs> yeah. man. Dude. Uh, so, uh, it was sort of an overlooked animated movie, and probably for good reason. Uh, it's about this young boy named Lucas who is bullied, so he bullies the insects in his yard, and Zock is an ant, played by Nicolas Cage, and he develops a potion to shrink humans down to ant form, uh, and ant size, and so he shrinks Lucas down, and they force him to live as a slave, uh, so he can, like, learn the impact that his bullying has on the, the lives of the insects, which is kind of dark uh concept to think about but i mean it really is like a kid's movie uh the voice cast is obviously absurd the animation kind of looks like tv animated stuff like it kind of does look like jimmy neutron there's a little like where the wild things are uh in the in the uh in the premise and stuff but i mean that that's about uh, as far as that comparison could go i guess uh it, there's way more action in the movie than like ants and uh, a bug's life like those are way more contained but this like a whole bunch of crazy shit happens uh i kind of wish it actually took itself seriously though in in some sense because like he shrinks down to ant size and then he falls from like a, a cliff that's like a hundred times his height and he doesn't like seem phased by it at all like he didn't i mean he's not an actual ant so i don't really know how that worked uh and it also seems like it was built for 3D, but it was, like, way before the oversaturation of 3D, so not, not many people actually saw it in 3D, because, like, there's, like, this sequence where he rides on a fly, and uh, it's hard not to think of Avatar and How to Train Your Dragon, which were way better in 3D, and I think this would have been, like, actually kind of a cool, breathtaking sequence to watch, but it, it really was just sort of, like, lame. Uh, Paul Giamatti shows up, 
and he plays an exterminator, and he absolutely steals his, like, two scenes that he's in. It, it was hilarious to watch him in this. The movie's, like, okay, there isn't too much crazy Nicolas Cage stuff, but it, it probably could have spawned a franchise, but it was, like, immediately forgotten and written off, which I kind of understand. I, I'm giving it two stars. Uh, I have it, like, between, like, Trapped in Paradise and Guardian Tess or something like that. Like, it, it's, it's like, a, it's like a family-friendly uh, Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, those are always interesting. The, the The premise almost sounds like uh, if you combine Toy Story with A Bug's Life and make Sid the main character. Yeah, I yeah, uh, that, that, that's not bad. I, I was I was thinking that the Giamatti character was just like Al from Al's from Toy Barn, uh, Al's Toy Barn, and yeah, I mean, I, I there's definitely some Toy Story elements in there, and w- with a better crew. And writing team, it probably it probably could have approached some of the, some of that greatness because there are some interesting things that has to say, but it's just it doesn't take itself quite seriously enough. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I've not seen that one. Uh, the one that I watched uh, for my anniversary review. All right, here's your quiz time, Todd. Uh, it is a 1990 film. It was nominated for three Oscars. All of them were uh, were major above the line categories, and it won one of them. That's all you're gonna get. Reversal of fortune. Yeah, you are absolutely right. It's reversal of fortune. Uh, it won best actor for Jeremy Irons, nominated for best director, and for best adapted screenplay. Uh, that was you got that really quick. I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, this is the yeah. This is the story of the Von Bülow family. Uh, Klaus Von Bülow, played by Jeremy Irons. Uh, Sonny Von Bülow, played by Glenn Close. And uh, and the trial and appeal of uh, Klaus's uh, trial of attempted murder of his wife. And um, the main he's he is the he won Best Actor. However, you could really say the main character is. Um, Ron Silver playing Alan Dershowitz. Uh, this is based on a true story, based on a book written by Alan Dershowitz um, uh, about this trial that he uh, that he he took on the case after uh, he had already been found guilty and uh, went through the appeal process. And it's one where the title of the film kind of gives away the ending, but you know it, it, you wouldn't be telling the story unless that's how it ended. Um, Jeremy Irons is really good. However, I found it a strange Oscar win. It 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 was so it was such a reserved, con, just constrained performance. It's not really something that they that they like to uh, to honor. And um, it, he never really had his like Oscar moment in it. It didn't feel like an Oscar baity part. In fact, I I felt like Glenn Close was much better for like a supporting actress. Uh, look than Jeremy Irons was for a lead actor look, but um, but it was kind of refreshing to see. Oh, this they they gave this an Oscar. And I was just looking at the list. It was kind of a weak year for Best Actor. I mean, the other nom- you had Kevin Costner, Dances with Wolves, Robert De Niro, Awakenings, and the two I haven't seen: Richard Harris in the Field, which apparently is impossible to find anywhere. Like I've been trying to find that all year, and it's nowhere to be found. Uh, and then you have uh, Gerard Depardieu in uh, Cyrano de Bergerac, de Bergerac and uh, I haven't watched that one yet either. But um, but yeah, this was uh, it, it was a good movie. Uh, I really actually really liked it. It was it was engaging. There's something about like those '90s crime dramas that 
I don't know, I just eat up and I love that stuff. And um, I mean, it's why I love Trial of Chicago 7 a couple weeks ago when we talked about that. I'm giving it three and a half stars. Um, solid movie, really entertaining, really engaging. Uh, yeah, and Jeremy Irons' character, he he plays an interesting guy and you never really know where where you sit with him. It's really It's really cool. Have you seen that one, Todd? I have, yeah. I, I like it a lot, too, yeah. I mean, I think Jeremy Irons is just really doing his thing, and, and yeah, that's not something that really gets uh, a lot of Oscar love sometimes, but, I mean, it, it, it is a cool performance to, to call an Oscar-winning performance. Yeah, it was Jeremy Irons doing his thing before we knew what Jeremy Irons' thing was. Maybe that's why <laughs> it, yeah, got, it got the love it got. Um, yeah. Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac is on the is on the list still to be watched at some point this year, so uh, it, it'll be coming up. But yeah, so yeah, three and a half stars for uh, for Reversal of Fortune. I thought you were gonna make and the yeah. joke about like uh, it, you know what it implies at the end, which uh, I thought you were gonna say something about Joey Chestnut or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I could have said something about that. It's kind of hard to hear that without thinking about the hot dog eating contest. That's really what that term means now. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, good movie. Check it out. Uh, it was on, where did I see it? HBO Max. It's on HBO Max, so you can check it out there. Okay, uh, so featured review. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zack movie ever made. You gotta see it. Movie reviews. I decided we were gonna review a movie, and since we're talking, we're gonna talk about it anyways. And that movie is Bad Hair. Welcome to the block. Well, we got Excuse me, excuse me. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry I'm late. You ever had a dream? One you'd be willing to do anything for? Wow. Anna, how's work? Are you still interning for that lady? Executive assistant. Anna, music people have certain expectations, and my girls need to flow freely. Who does your hair? No one? Me? Aren't you tired of it? All the stares you get. That girl is You want to be one of my girls? Yes. This came all the way from India? Forget about where it's from. Let's focus on where it's going. You're not tender-headed, are you? I'll be fine. Clients swear this stuff is magic. Wow. How's it feel? People look at you and they see somebody else and somehow you become more of yourself. I can't fault you for doing whatever it takes to get where they keep trying to keep us from getting. In a perfect world, a woman would be able to wear her hair the way she wants to. See trees covered in black moss and made herself a wig. Maybe the hair in the tree was enchanted. <laughs> it's fun to think about. Something bad has happened. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. What? Cannot die today, okay? I've been in church for like 15 years. Uh, hey, girl. 
Damn, Damn. that took a turn. <laughs> a new uh, Hulu original movie. Uh, I believe they bought it uh, at Sundance this last year. Todd, you're going first on this one. Tell us all about Bad Hair and what you thought. Uh, it is directed and written by Justin Simeon, who was the uh, director and writer of Dear White People, which also spawned the TV show, which uh, the movie I actually like a lot. Uh, this movie is about a girl named Anna, played by Elle Lorraine, and uh, she is an employee at a music television network. And she's told that she can't really advance her career if she looks the way she does, so she gets a new weave hairdo, which eventually kind of takes on a life of its own and kind of haunts her and everybody around her. Uh, the movie fits in with a lot of horror movies recently in, in like, tone and ominous music. The cinematography is kind of annoying. Like it, it has, like, really random angles for no reason, and it's, like, got really excessive cutting, too, so it's kind of unclear what you're looking at sometimes. But uh, it, it does have sort of an interesting flair in that way, I guess. Um... Uh, the shots of her hair being cut is, like, really uncomfortable, and the visuals and the music are just, like, cringe-inducing. It, it brings to mind a lot of, like, old body horror classic movies, and uh, it, it was really kind of disturbing in those in, in those scenes. Uh, I think it's inspired a lot by Jordan Peele, because there's, like, a lot of digging into mythology and, like, creepy ghost stories and uh, putting them into seemingly normal real-life uh, scenarios. And I actually, I actually kind of like the setting a lot. It, it reminded me of Mad Men in a way, where it's like she's like this almost like secretary kind of feel, and like how she's competing professionally uh, and for attention and respect with her with her peers in a in a world where she probably isn't going to get there regardless. Vanessa Williams is uh, plays her boss of sorts, and, and I think she owns every scene. She's awesome in this movie. Jerry Farrow is fun to see. It also has actors like Kelly Rowland. Lena Waithe and James Vanderbeek is in there for some reason, uh, <laughs> which was yeah odd. Uh, the movie is really ambitious, and which made me kind of think that it reminds me more of like a director's debut film more than like the the sophomore effort because it takes a whole lot of risks uh, to try to get attention, and I don't really think that uh, the director needed to do that in this scenario. And once it actually gets to it being like a horror movie. It, it kind of feels gimmicky and derivative. Uh, it, it works as like a background thing, but not necessarily as like the driving force in the movie. It, it, it becomes like a cross between Evil Dead, Black Swan, and Jennifer's Body, and it really sort of unravels after that. It does have something interesting to say, which like it's about like the battle that black people have in trying to maintain self-respect and identity and not forget their own culture and values while they're trying to survive in a world with impossible expectations because they're not white so they have to sell out and sacrifice like i appreciate what it's trying to say i just think it deserves something uh a more of a polished movie than this uh, i'm giving it two stars i i wouldn't necessarily discourage you from seeing it but i mean you just got to know what you're getting into yeah yeah uh i'm i'm uh i'm right on the like two and a half three star fence i'm i'm siding on three stars it was entertaining it was way too long um, there was no reason this needed to be anything more than an hour and a half, May yeah. maybe an hour and a half. Uh, the setup took way too long. Um, so Zach texted me this morning and, uh, he didn't get a chance to watch it yet. So he asked, how was it? And the first thing out of my mouth was it was a Jordan Peele wannabe. Um, and, uh, and it's funny how at the same time, Jordan Peele has kind of, what made get out so great is he really created this new genre, this new subgenre of, uh, of kind of, you know, race relation horror. 
and uh, and this is really really tying into that a little bit. Um, I think it was uh, I, I like I said it was a lot of fun. You're right, Vanessa Williams steals everything. I love seeing the random familiar faces. It's always great to see Jay Farrow in something. Um, and then like Usher pops up. Laverne Cox is. Yeah. I, I was waiting for her to come back at some point, and she never did. Um, but yeah, it, it it's it's really uh, it was really fun, and it was it was campy, but in a good way. It just it just thought it was it either needed to be needed to focus more on like the social side of things, or kind of leave that more in the background. And because in trying to focus on both, it just made it too long, and and the the focus was kind of all over the place. Yeah, you see the comparison to Black Swan, though. Like even in like the mm-hmm. like the the scenes where she where it's like showing her hair and stuff, it, it reminded me of those scenes that you just like make you cringe in Black Swan, where she's like pulling those like spokes out of her out of her skin and stuff. Like, yeah, it does a really good job at making you uncomfortable in that. Which I mean, it, it's, it is a horror movie to an extent, but it's I mean. It's it doesn't it doesn't take it that dark because it still is like a comedy at its core at the same time. Yeah, a couple other things I thought were, were interesting. Uh, Ella Rain, uh, she was uh, she was good. However, I I can't see her as a VJ. Like like just her her presence when she was trying to host the show. I'm like, there's no way. She could ever pull this off, it, and from the first time she tries to show what she could do, it's like, nope, nope, this is not, nope. And then, uh, is it just me, or, or does James Vanderbeek look more like a grown-up Zach Morris than Mark Paul Gosselaar now looks like a grown-up <laughs> Zach Morris? I mean, this week we got the call. trailer for the Saved by the Bell reboot, and I'm watching James Vanderbeek. I'm like, that's what Zach Morris is supposed to look like. Not Mark Paul Gosselaar. I mean, he just looks strange Get donning the blonde hair again. It looked weird. Well, I mean, because you, you, you've at least seen Mark Paul Gosselaar do other stuff for, like, true, in the last ten true. years. He's he's just big now. I mean, he he's like not not like fat. He's just you know got some got some muscle to him. He's a broad dude, and Zach Morris was this slender guy. And James Vanderbeek, I mean, just the the face. Uh, he I was watching like, he, not not saying he looked like Mark Paul Gosselaar. He looked like Zach Morris, and then like wearing like the Miami Vice get up too. I mean, it was that whole late eighties, early nineties look that Zach Morris has. Yeah, and I, it didn't help that yesterday morning, right before I watched Bad Hair, I watched the trailer for the new Saved by the Bell reboot, and which looks pretty great, by the way. Yeah, it looks pretty great. That comes out what, next month, right? I think so. I think so. Uh, all right. So I gave it three. What did you give it again? Two stars. Two stars. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, like I said, I'm complaining a lot about it, but in the end, it wasn't trying to be a whole lot. And I was entertained by it, so I I decided on the three star. Okay, so uh, let's move on from that. We have a couple more topics we want to talk about. Um, it's been a while, Todd, since you have updated your uh, your Oscar predictions for this year. For good reason. Um, because yeah, because twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we're starting to get a little bit more of a picture and I know we were talking this week you're thinking about uh, putting out your latest predictions soon 
Yeah. And so we thought we would do a little bit of a preview of what those predictions might look like. Uh, talk spe specifically about a couple films that might be might feature heavily in there, and uh, maybe like who you see as the favorites in some of the major like acting categories. Okay. So uh, let let's start with I know um, going back to your first list, and this was you haven't updated this since January, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you're insane like that. Um, the first list you put out in January 12th, I have it right here. That first list you put out, your top two films in there were News of the World and Mink, which I feel like potentially still could be like the two front runners for Best Picture. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I would probably still have News of the World up there just because I don't have any reason not to have it up there. Uh, I think the trailer looked really good. Uh, I think Tom Hanks looks like he's... He's really doing his thing. There aren't really any reviews of it yet, so it still it still has the world uh, for its potential. But uh, I, I think News of the World still could be the the top the top movie. It also seems sort of topical. And Mank, obviously, the the trailers have just been uh, incredible. Even though it looks a little bit more like uh, film buff kind of stuff, rather uh, instead of like it being like super. Uh, like a populist. So I don't know that the Oscar best picture win is actually a possibility for it. I would need, I would obviously need to see the movie first, but it, it does seem like it's, it's more of like a critic darling and get a whole bunch of nominations, but not really winning best picture. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't wait to see that one. Uh, and we don't have to wait too much longer. That's coming out next month, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I think, it, I think it's later. I might be early December. Okay. Uh, do you see any any others that have kind of popped up recently that might be a part of that conversation? Well, I mean, uh, Nomad Land is going to be in all of the award races, but that's another that doesn't really feel like a Best Picture winner. But this year has been so weird that maybe that that kind of movie that actually probably will have some sort of theatrical run could uh, could still rise up. And uh, One Night in Miami is sort of the wild card that. That has a lot of potential. Uh, it also, I feel like, could crash and burn at some point. Uh, it's that I think those are the ones that I also would put in the, the main contender spots. All right. Yeah, looking at your January predictions for picture, they're actually fairly good. I mean, you got News of the World, Mank. You've got uh, French Dispatch, which, if it were coming out this year, would be right in the conversation. Uh, you've got One Night in Miami. At that time, it was the Untitled Regina King movie. Um, Trial of Chicago 7 you have in there, which I, I know we talked about feels like a Best Picture nominee. Um, and then uh, you also have, uh, in your in your short list of 10 here, you have Minari, which, um, as I, everyone's kind of saying, is this year's Farewell, which might break the break the lineup a little bit here and there. But, uh, but uh, I mean... Don't, don't for, I have, don't I have uh, the uh, Untitled Shaka shaka king movie oh that's, uh, maybe Judas that's and the black messiah that's what i'm looking at here okay so i had i had written down untitled directed by king and i thought it was one night miami and it's judas and the black messiah oh yeah no i, I don't think I don't, I don't even think uh one night miami was around like no okay then i was wrong yeah so you've got judas and the black messiah that's what that one is 
Um, Which I still think the, is a pretty good have, bet. Although I'm not really, it, it's now it's Oscar release or its release date says 2021, but that could mean January or February. So I really don't know when it's coming out. Right. Uh, you also have Untitled, directed by Lilla Nugenbauer. Yeah, that that got delayed. That was a okay a Jennifer Lawrence movie. Okay, does it have a title yet? I think it has a title. Okay, it's fine. You don't need to. You don't need to look it up. Uh, <laughs> Red, white, and water is what it's called. Red, white, and water. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, now, uh, how about uh, how about best actor? What? Who are you thinking is the uh, is the favorite right now for actor? So coming out of Sundance, I everyone was talking about Anthony Hopkins and The Father, and I still feel like that might be the case. That I mean, he was just nominated uh, for the first time in a while. And uh, I think the the father seems like the kind of movie that wins Oscars, and I, I think that could be a contender in all all categories. Honestly, I, I think he he just barely edges out uh, Gary Oldman at this point. Okay, all right. I know in January you said Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, yeah, which... that still seems like a real possibility too. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, how about Best Actress? This is looking like an interesting race. I, I think I think Viola Davis in Maroney's Black Bottom and Frances McDormand are definitely the two that are above everybody else at this point. There's a lot of ones that haven't been seen. Like there's a Sophia Loren movie that uh, oh yeah uh, she could like I think I think she would have like the longest uh, time between nominations ever if she were to get nominated. Uh, something like that. I saw some stat about that earlier. But uh, there's some, there's some interesting ones, but like Viola Davis and Frances McDormand, those are like bona fide Oscar performances. And j- just to let you know, Viola Davis was in your original lineup, so you had that one. That's Another right. one uh, you had in your original lineup that I want to ask you about: Kate Winslet and Ammonite. Do you see uh, Ammonite being a part of this this picture at all? I I mean. I, I think that it's still possible, like, it seems like there are, like, lukewarm reviews, but it's Kate Winslet in, like, a very serious movie, so, I mean, it could be, I mean, she's had those movies in the past where it seems like an Oscar movie, but the movie just kind of sucked. I mean, maybe this movie could suck, but I, I don't, I still feel like she's definitely a contender. Yeah, um, from what I've heard about Ammonite, it's, it's the poor man's uh, portrait of a lady on fire, so... But it's Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan at the same time, so you, that might yeah, that, that might mean something. I feel like they both could get nominated, or neither of them could get nominated. I feel like they're kind of a package deal. Right. Yeah. Supporting actor, uh, which of the Trial of Chicago Seven guys do you have as the favorite right now? <laughs> well, and are all five gonna? Are there gonna be five nominated? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I still, I, I, like I said, I think Mark Rylance is the guy that is going to get singled out in that movie. But the the real thing is that there is also a, something that could be said about that for Mank because the early reactions, like every review, had a different standout, and so I mean I think like Charles Dance uh, could be the one uh, that that and Tom Pelfrey is another one that's being singled out a lot. Like there's a whole bunch of sporting actors that are playing very notable people in Mank that that all, all could get in the sport and actor lineup, along with the Trial of Chicago 7 guys and the Defy Blood guys, which I think Chadwick Boseman, this is his better chance of getting nominated over uh, Maroney's Black Bottom. So, yeah, Well, especially now that they're going to say he's going to be lead for Maroney's Black Bottom. 
I thought that was an interesting decision. Yeah, and I, I think that probably hurts his chances. But, I mean, I thought he was pretty great in Defy Bloods, and I, I think that could be a a nice gesture to uh, to reward him there because, he, I mean, he has had somewhat of a big year. So, so going back to lead actor really quick, do Chadwick Boseman and Delroy Lindo both get into the lead actor top five, do you think, right now? What, the Chadwick for... Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey's back bottom. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't have it that way currently, but I I mean it, it's anything's possible at this point. I mean I because Tom Hanks could be the lead actor in the Best Picture winner, and we know how often he gets snubbed, so that could easily create a spot right there. Yeah, including the last time he was in a Paul Greengrass movie. Um, exactly. All right. Yeah. So looking at what you had back in January, your winner was Bill Murray for On the Rocks, which. I mean, it wasn't a bad stab, and it turned out to be a good movie, just not necessarily an Oscar movie. Yeah, and so, it's an Apple movie, <laughs> which I don't think yeah. helps. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Apple's getting a lot of interesting titles. I, I'm I'm getting more and more intrigued by that. But the rest of your lineup is pretty... You've got Christoph Waltz for French Dispatch, again, which you couldn't have seen coming. Uh, the the Mank guy you picked was Tom Burke. Yeah, for, that's the guy who's uh, playing Back Orson in January. Wells. Yeah. And you have Mark Rylance for Trial of Chicago 7, and then you have Lakeith Stanfield for uh, Judas and Black Messiah, which is very possible depending on uh, the reaction to that and when it comes out. So, uh, supporting actress. I feel like this this is a real crapshoot right now. Yeah, there, there really isn't a frontrunner. Uh, so, I guess the default frontrunner is Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, se- I mean, it seems like a, a supporting actress type performance. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it, it is just like a bunch of we don't really know. Olivia Coleman and the father could be in there. Obviously, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, uh, the the grandma in Minari. I don't. I'm not. It's it's very unclear. I support best foreign actress is kind of impossible to predict at this point until we see some of these movies. Have you seen a movie? And I was listening to a podcast. I was talking about this too, and I felt the exact same way. Have you seen a movie that? Um, when the trailer came out, that at the same time you felt this movie looks like crap and it's going to get a bunch of Oscar nominations more than Hillbilly Elegy. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, it just felt like it just question. felt like, yeah, there, there, it just felt like this is Oscar Beatty traditional glossy Hollywood garbage that's going to get a lot of love. I can't think of a comparison, but I mean that—that's a—that's a good call. <laughs> It—it's it, just bizarre. And then you see, and I love Ron Howard, but then the second it comes up and says this movie directed by Ron Howard, you go, oh gosh, come on, that—that that just when you love like all of his movies. I—I I love his his. I always say he needs to stay with just doing like movies about the like mid nineteen hundreds, like. He needs to stay in that that beautiful mind, Apollo 13, Frost Nixon. Those are his three best movies by far. He needs to stay in that lane. Well, I mean, Rush is pretty awesome too. True. True. But that I I would put it behind those three. Yeah. But yeah, he he's yeah. That that's It's interesting. It's interesting how much how I can 
depending on the movie, I'll look at it and say, Ron Howard, awesome, that's the perfect director for it. Or Ron Howard, oh, gosh. No, please, God, no. And I, I he's the only director that could have that, that kind of response. <laughs> All right, so looking at your best actress lineup, I think this is by far the worst one you had Supporting back actress. in January. Supporting actress, yeah. Uh, you had your winner was Deborah Winger for Kajillionaire. Did that ever actually get made? Yeah, it's out? it's out actually out in theaters. I almost went to see it the other day, but not. Uh, okay. It's, I mean, it's gotten decent reviews, but uh, it's not an Oscar movie for sure. Yeah. Well, and then you've got you've got Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, uh, which is delayed a year. Got pushed. Yep. Um, However, I mean, she. everybody knows who she is now because she was in the original Hamilton cast and uh, got some notoriety for that. Uh, you had Jodie, Con- Jodie Connor for The Last Duel, which got delayed. Mm. Um, you have uh, Diane Weist for Let Them All Talk. Did that ever come out? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I f- and the other one you had... You had Octavia Spencer for The Witches, which everyone is kind of saying is the worst movie of the year. Yeah, which, so, I mean, it was also like a... Well, it was an HBO Max original is how that worked out. Yeah, yeah. Let Them All Talk. It doesn't look like it's been released. It's a Soderbergh movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to sweat that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just looking at it as like, all right, delayed, delayed... Two movies no one's ever heard of, and the worst movie of the year. Okay, that's a bad lineup. (laughs) But again, one out of one out of five from back in January. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I I give you props for. I'm I'm going to do that this year. What are we going to do this in March? (laughs) I mean, when the eligibility. (laughs) We still do it in January. Yeah. Well, we got to figure out what the eligible. Yeah, I mean, eligibility. Who knows? I, I have a feeling, this is my prediction, is that um, next year the eligibility window will end the end of January, and then 2022 will be back on schedule. How many movies are... I haven't heard of any movies that have been bumped to get released in January or February. Like so, maybe these Other than Judas, are, of the Black, Judas and the Black Messiah is the only one that might have that release. Well, and then there's like uh, the Taika Waititi soccer movie, or whatever, the, the Next Goal Wins. Like, that movie, uh, it, st- it says... It still says 2020, but there's no release date. It says post-production, so maybe in the next, like, month or something, they could plop that into, like, mid-February, like, right in the heart of Oscar talk stuff, but I I don't know. There's some movies that are still like that, that are completed or not quite completed that could get there, but I don't know if they want to just, like, shove it out real quick without a whole lot of publicity or trailers getting released or anything like that. Yeah, I think it it was a strange decision... Um, from the from the top, for uh, the academy to to bump it like that, and I think they're realizing now it may have been the wrong decision, but they're kind of married to it at this point. Yeah, it just made everything kind of messy, and no, and but nobody's really unless that that window is just so that more people could have a chance to get to watch the movies, not necessarily to give them a chance to release their movies. Then that could make more sense. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, it it's. I, I think it should be the movies of that year or the movies of that year, regardless. Even if it's a weird year like this, we'll still release our top tens in January, right? Yeah. We're not gonna wait for the January February releases. Yeah, the the yearly release date is how I like organize my year. Like I'm not <laughs> I'm not screwing with that. 
All right. Cool. All right. So there's our, our Oscar uh, update. So um, we got one more thing. And right before we got on, I told Todd I was going to do a... I had a, an idea for, for some trivia. Just a little trivia here. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Boyd is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. Actually, I thought of today... And I was like, you know what? Yeah, this this would be a great idea for a trivia game. It's like, oh, but it really only works well with one person. I don't know if I could do it with two. And then I'm like, hey, we're doing only a one-on-one podcast today. So uh, so let's throw it in there. Okay. So uh, this is kind of in honor of, of Sean Connery, Oscar winner Sir Sean Connery. Here's what we're looking at, Todd. Uh, we're going to go through um, the five main... Uh, categories of the Oscars actor actress supporting actor supporting actress and director and you are going to tell me the uh, most recent winner of that award to have died and the furthest back winner of that award that is still living (laughs) okay Okay, so that that's what we're looking at. So the, the most recent, and it's not talking about like the youngest to have died or the oldest to still be around, but the the most recent winner that has died, and the uh, the uh, furthest back winner that is still living. Okay, and I I I think these are all correct. I think <laughs> these are all correct. <laughs> you can challenge me on them, and, and we'll see if uh, if uh, I'm wrong. So let's start with best actor. Uh, okay. I feel like this one might be the easiest. <laughs> supporting actor is going to be the easiest. Well, yeah, supporting actor, <laughs> sure. Supporting actor, well, well, the recency of supporting actor yeah. will be the easiest. But I don't think lead actor is not that hard either. I'm trying to think of... It has been in the last 20 years, I'll give you that. They won in the last 20 years? They won in the last 20 years. Hmm. We kind of talk about them all the time. Like, one of our greatest actors. Oh. Wish he was still around. Okay, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Died on the day the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the is the most recent uh, deceased Best Actor winner. Now, th- I think this is the easiest Gene of the... Gene Hackman. Incorrect. <laughs> what? Gotta go further back than Gene Hackman. He's... Wait. The, this, the, the, How much older? This is in the 60s. They won in the 60s? They won in the 60s. Wait, so you're talking not by age? Not by age. Oh. It, the, the okay. One, how far back they won. And I think he might even be older than... Paul Schofield? Is he alive? Um, when did he win? 1966. Uh, further back than that, and I don't think he's still alive. Oh, let me look. Paul Schofield died in 2008. And you gotta go further back than that. A few years further back than that. Legend. He's 93 years old. I mean, it can't be Gregory Peck, right? No. Year before Gregory Peck, or year after Gregory Peck won. 1963. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
Oh, come on, man. I don't know. I mean, First African-American to win Best Actor. What? Oh, Sidney First Poitier? First African-American to win Best Actor. Sidney Poitier. Okay. 93 years old. Won in 1963 for Lilies of the Field. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I, was, I wasn't remembering that. All right. Uh, best Actress. Most recent uh, to have died. You got to go back to the 80s. Uh, Jessica Tandy? Jessica Tandy is correct for uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Wow. And so she, I mean, she died like a while ago, like, what, 1995? She, like, 95. I think it was 95, yeah. Yeah. I thought that one was an interesting one. Um, but that was the most recent. All right, now the furthest back, you gotta go back to the 50s. Oh, wow. Eva Marie Saint? Yeah. Eva Marie Saint. Oh, no, she's a supporting uh, actress. And she did. Yes, she, that she that n- no 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 that answer is actually correct for supporting actress. No. <laughs> she won in 1954 supporting actress for On the Waterfront, so you got that one out of the way. <clears throat> now this is a uh, 1957. Mm. For a film called The Three Faces of Eve. I think I've even seen that. It's not it's not coming to me. Joanne Woodward is Joanne 90 Woodward. years old. Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. Yes. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. All right. Now, supporting actor. Connery. No. What? Oh. It's not Connery. I'm not going by age. That's right. Yeah. So it's still yeah, easy. Ledger. Yeah, there you go. All right, now, furthest back that's still alive. This is in the 60s. Like, there's this one, and then to find the next most recent one, you have to get to, like, De Niro in 74. Huh. So someone still alive. My 1960s oh, wait, no. I guess, Oscar I guess Joel Grey is still alive in from 1972, Cabaret. Yeah, in the 60s. Early 60s. Classic film. Like... Uh, like all-time like great. George Shakiris? George Shakiris. I didn't know he was still alive. Yeah. George Shakiris, uh, 86 years old. And Rita Moreno's still alive, too, because she's in the and new And Rita one. Moreno's still alive, yeah. Yep, okay. Best Supporting Actress. You already got the one for this back. That was Eva Marie Saint, 1954. Most recent to have died. This is in... This is 80s. Mid-80s. This is way harder than, uh, it sounds. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was surprised I had to go that far back. I I had to check up on a couple of these, like uh, oh, like I had to check up on Brenda Fricker, and uh, and uh, ones like that. I guess most of the ones re- more recently have have been fairly young. And maybe that's the thing with best supporting actresses; it's usually a younger. 
younger actress that wins. I I don't know. <laughs> uh, 1985 was like. 1985 was uh, is not the answer. It's that was Angelica Houston for Prizzy's Honor. Yeah. It's the year before that. 1984. She beat Glenn Close in The Natural, Lindsey Krause in Places in the Heart, Christine Lottie in uh, Swing Shift, and Geraldine Page in The Pope of Greenwich Village. It is Peggy Ashcroft oh, for A Passage to India. India. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, last category. Best Director. The most recent director win that uh, is no longer with us. 90s. I could do like actually two, process of elimination. Two winners Anthony Minghella. Anthony Minghella. Yep. I was I was actually just looking. You've got Anthony Minghella and um, uh, Jonathan Demi in the '90s that both are are no longer with us. Mm. All right, and the uh, the oldest one that's still alive. You only have to go back to the '70s. Coppola. Uh, before Coppola. Uh, Friedkin? Friedkin, for the French Connection, yeah. I was kind of surprised. I was looking at some of the ones that came after that, but they were all kind of legends. You had, uh, uh, you know, Carol Reed, Oliver, Mike Nichols, Fred Zinneman, Robert Wise, George Cooker, David Lean, Billy Wilder. I mean, that, that, those are guys who won in the 60s and... So yeah, Inter interesting. Yeah. I would I would have never pieced that together. <laughs> no, yeah, I I thought it was an interesting category and and one that I could really only do with one other person. It's not one I could have gone back and forth on. Well, you could have done with like one of us at a time, and then like taken who was closer to the year that they won or something. I don't know. I mean, you could have tried to make it work. I could have, but, but this worked out really well. Except I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he did a lot better than Zach would have done. <laughs> Possibly. I think he would have gotten Peggy Maybe. Ashcroft. He probably, yeah. And he would have gotten Podier really quick, too, probably. I don't know. Maybe this might have been something that would have been right up his alley. Maybe I ask him, and we'll, we'll see. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Quote of the day. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. Uh, Todd, what do you got? Uh, well, I'll quote the only quote that I could do from Sean Connery, and that is his in the uh, from The Rock. He says, "Besides, the last time I swam this channel, I was your age, so I'm f***ed either way." <laughs> R.I.P. Sean Connery, you're the best. Uh, all right, I've got a I've got a Connery quote also, and it is also from The Rock. It's like what what's a great one? And I was just going through quotes from from The Rock and I thought this was this is just a perfect Sean Connery quote because it shows just how self-aware and self-deprecating he was at the same time. So they're they're in the tunnels underneath Alcatraz and Stanley Goodspeed looks at him and says, "Are you enjoying this?" He says, "Well, it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day, reading philosophy, avoiding gang rape in the washrooms, though it's less of a problem these days. Maybe I'm losing my sex appeal." <laughs> Yes. Oh. Uh, 
No one quite like Sean Connery. I didn't steal your Humvee. <laughs> I'm only borrowing your Humvee. <laughs> and we don't have Zach here, so I'll do it for him. Womack, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even say that, doesn't he? He's like, Womack, I, I knew it was you, you piece was of me, shit. I knew it was piece of shit. <laughs> oh... Rest in peace, Sean Connery. You're, there will never be another quite like you. All right. Well, uh, this has been your Almost Sideways update. Hopefully next week we'll be back at you with our deep dive of One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.